Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! this week's Marketing Money Podcast. This is John Oxford, full of caffeine and energy. Not really. Nice. You like that? I'm impressed. Did it, did it just, I mean, you know. I have chills. Well, speaking of, the ultimate derp conversation piece is always the weather, and we have had none of it lately. I don't even want to talk about it. Look, it was here. We're coming to you live from Seattle, Mississippi. It was, there, there's an old joke in the South, the Midwest, everywhere, everywhere that has weather. <laughs> one of those. If you don't, yeah, yeah, one of those. If you don't like the weather, just wait. Oh, you'll you'll get you'll get one time. All four seasons in one day. You'll get. But it. we did. Oh, last Friday, sixty-eight degrees, seventy-one on the soccer field. We had practice at between three and five. Seventy-one degrees with some wind coming in. By the time I got home, got some dinner, kids cleaned up, whatever. At about eight o'clock, it was like thirty. Next morning, two inches of snow. Yeah, within a seven to eight hour window. So we haven't talked about this, but but really, like when the farmer's almanac was like the source of the weather, like a hundred years ago. Like, yeah, what's the weather going to be? Let me get my almanac. But can you imagine being that guy that's like the weather's broken? Plant the chickens or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> time to time to roost the veggies. Like take them out. <laughs> Like the next day, it snowed. It just kills you every th- all your crops. You think you've angered the gods? I, you can see why before you had the for whatever you technology did that night. and human in the evolution of technology and discovery. Of, can you imagine being like it's seventy one this afternoon? Let's till the crops, honey. And next thing you know, two hours later, it's like snowing, two inches deep of snow. Yeah, and you've ruined it, all the work. It just killed everything. What did we do to anger the gods? Honestly, I feel that way a lot of days lately. <laughs> no kidding. Seriously. I'm yeah, like, what, I'm what have laughing. we done to deserve this? And then someone would say, well, you, climate crisis, but that's not this type of podcast. No. So anyway, but uh, back to bank marketing, riveting stuff. Yeah. So uh, Where the weather never changes. No, it just, it just rainstorms all the time. <laughs> yeah. Or brainstorms, if you want to ah. get uh, creative with it. But anyway. A for effort. Do you remember 311? The band? Yes. Yeah? Remember the song, Brainstorm, yeah. Keep Me Away From The Norm? That was a pretty good lyric. Yeah. But it was cheesy to be in a song, but it was pretty. He was talking about... Hip-hop, ska, heavy metal. It was kind of a mix. But anyway, Brainstorm, Keep Me Away From The Norm. Yeah. Uh, to that point, if you've been following along at home or at work, in your car, or uh, in your earbuds... Uh, with us, and there's the train, Tupelo train. We have to have the third host. We do. We do Tupelo we train. We have guests except for the Tupelo train. Tupelo train. We should call the train company and get them to sponsor the podcast because they're on it as much as we are. Yeah, I when they what, get paid. Yeah, I wonder what they want to pay us. But anyway, if you've been following along, we've been covering the Great Eight and Hateful Eight. What's uh, next? I'm about to get there. Are you? you you're the interrupting cow. Like, so anyway, we're about to get there. In the four C's, 
of content, connection, conversion, and campaigns. We've covered the great eight of content. We've covered the hateful eight of content. So t- this week or t- week or today, we're going with the great eight of connection. Oh, hey, yeah, cool. So speaking of connection. Th- that's, why, that's why you're here. Light bulb went off. We have an audience explosion, by the way. I've, I've talked to you about this. So welcome to all. Not new- an implosion, but an explosion. Yeah, which is surprising. Um, well, like our listeners, um, nearly doubled. So welcome to all new listeners. I guess you're new or maybe you came back or everybody agreed to listen to us on the same the last two, two weeks, which is, you know, we work in these on off week cycles is both were both on and off week were nearly double on being when we do a new podcast. So as you're listening to this, you're listening in the own. Like it's like rediscovering an old album. You just somebody was like, man, I used to listen to that. Like, I'm gonna do it again. Like me today, rediscovering in through the outdoor. Yes. You texted me this morning and said, Do you remember did you forget in through the outdoor? And I was like, No, that's Led Zeppelin. But as an album, yeah, it was very different from the other albums. Yeah, they got hazed. Because it was it was eighties kind of had some synth, synth in it, yeah. yeah. But uh, but yes, yeah, great album. Other than Hot Dog, that song's pretty randomly. It's really short. Yeah. The songs are long, but the album's short. Yeah, it's seven songs, I think. Yeah. But uh, but Fool in the Rain. Yeah. Um, for uh, love, what's the um? um all <laughs> going blank. All of my love. All of my love. Yeah. There's, all of my yeah. Those are some good ones. Those are some good ones. But anyway, that, Bobby. no, leave it in there. Leave it auto-tune, in there. Auto tune it. Auto tune it, Bobby. Yeah, if you can auto tune some Led Zeppelin with Josh, that would be really good. Yeah. So anyway, the great aid of connection. So when you are making content, you want to build it to be entertaining to an audience, et cetera, et cetera. But then value it has to have value. But then you want to move it to the connection. How does it connect with the audience? Yeah. And uh, like, like George W. Yeah, a thousand points of light. <laughs> And Dana Carvey did better, George Duck. Not George W., George Bush Sr. George Herbert Walker Bush. Yes. Dana Carvey does a better than he does himself. (laughs) But anyway, which is very odd that you just brought that up because someone else did earlier today. But anyway, uh, the great aid of connection, we're going to walk through them. Number one is to find your audience. Uh, Well, that that helps. Uh, Do you know how many bank ads I see that miss their audience. No, they're the audience's other banks. Bankers. Yeah. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, that's the only- I'm so proud of this ad that only bankers would understand. And get. Yeah. So when I say find your audience and people say, duh. Are like, you over-indexed in your... Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? Who? It's, well, you, you know, one that gets me a lot are investment companies that have that are, that are quasi-banks and what they do because mm. they deal with money, but they're on there like, you're a mutual fund index of something, da, 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 and you're just like, dude, the Roll average your- person has no idea, and maybe they're only going for that market that would understand it because those would be the people they want as clients. Well, the ones that have figured it out in that realm. Like, they're not paying all, attention to they the go television to all, Well, they go to all brand, like Charles Schwab, talk to Chuck, and like whatever, our E-Trade. But to that point, find your audience. You must know where your audience is and how to connect to them. Absolutely. Uh, is your audience so, and, and that can also do with the way the ad or content is created. Is it a social media post or is it a television ad? The audience, while crossover, can be different. different. Well, you're, well, you're interacting with different media at that. And so maybe the same person, but there are different expectations. So, one, find your audience and you say, duh, 
but knowing who your audience is and how to connect with them makes your marketing more successful. Number two is buy and sell on emotion and backfill with logic. This is one of your favorites because I've heard you preach it for years. Buy and sell on emotion and backfill with logic. Ads that tug at heartstrings or comedy, something that grabs your attention in a more emotional way often does better than selling to the brain and common sense part of a person. Yeah. How many times have you needed to buy like light bulbs? You know, and like oh. that's two light bulb references in one podcast because you said a little light bulb oh, yeah. went off with your Led Zeppelin thing, and now a second light bulb I'm is all going about off. Bulbs, yes, I like big bulbs. And I cannot. Lie. He's all about the bulbs, baby. <laughs> I need to buy new G10 GU10 base halogen bulbs for my Venahood lights, and I logically needed them because I could not see in my kitchen to cook. Like it's we have a weird kitchen; it's dark. If you buy on logic and need, like over-indexed in your mutual fund or whatever, whatever it may be, then you would, my need was high. I would have bought them immediately. But no, I mean, like, we forget stuff we need all the time while we're buying the stuff we want, which should be enough evidence. Like, just think about your own life. But we absolutely... Um, you leave your bank because you're mad. That's an emotion. And so they did something logically that made you that that was wrong. But you made the decision because it finally made you mad. Or maybe you did it because you overdrafted and didn't want something. But whatever. You're embarrassed. But the emotion. The, but the emotion is, is, is what embarrassment an emotion. Surely, right? I second that emotion. Yeah, I think it is. I think embarrassment can be an emotion. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, that's an emotion. It surely. can be. But anyway, sell on emotion. Because people buy on emotion. Yep. The logic of things you need versus what you want is is why why most of us overspend and purchase things. So uh, emotion drives that. While I'm buying something online on, as we speak, I, I yeah, I got a little invoice come through on some leather work. Number three, and this is going to sound funny the way I say it, but go to the eyeballs. Go to the eyeballs. So when you're look when you are looking for an audience, find where the audience is and go to them. This is, we've long argued this and so are many other marketers, but the Super Bowl, as expensive as it is, is a great marketing buy. Because if you can't afford it, you get all the eyes on your brand at the same time. And it's just like anything else. If you go to where the eyes are, and it's why media is expensive, it's why clicks costs money. It's why impressions cost money. It's why TV is expensive because you are buying eyeballs to get to your brand. But awareness comes before conversion. Yeah. So you've got to get awareness for your brand. So go to the eyeballs. Well, and it's crazy how much money, you know, um, we talk about marketing budgets every day. We've talked about yours. I mean, so if you're a client or we've talked about your budget, I'm not sharing anything out of turn because this is universal for banking. So how many sponsorship dollars are in marketing budgets, or how many dollars are in marketing budgets that have nothing that have almost nothing to do with marketing and no audience, or and, an, or an and audience. No, uh, well, most yeah. of them don't. I mean, but like a sponsorship, like somebody asked me about football, like college football. That's some a thing that, whatever we like, or you know, it's like give it as a donation. Stop treating it like marketing. Yeah, or making them do something when there's no. There's there's no gain of awareness or anything yeah. for just give them the money. I always yeah. say all the tricks of like keep your account for six months and do that. But it's like, not just God. Come on, just do but it. But it's not you know sponsoring Habitat for Humanity is a really good 
investment in your community. It's a really bad marketing expense. Move the expense to the right place. Again, it's. I'm not saying, please, I hope everybody understands this. Give to Habitat. Give to the charitable. No, I, but I, it's charity. It's not, it's charity. It's not, it's not trying not to double dip. Like, actually, it kind of makes it icky when you double dip because you should be doing it to not get anything out of it other than the community. But debit card, plastic. I mean, I guess there's printing and stuff, but like your, your advertising and marketing expense should be spent For on advertising and marketing. Yeah. And, and the next one, number four, which I think sort of played into some of what you were getting to is use partner reach. And what I talk about that is partnering up with a sports team or a spokesperson or somebody that can help your brand reach the audience you want better than you can all by yourself. Uh, we did a show of content. You can look it up on Renaissance Nation called Crafted, where we partnered with other businesses and did kind of short four-minute videos about the business. This is nothing new original. Banks do all types of promos, but don't talk about the bank. Let the business talk about themselves, and it's implied that you help them get there. It doesn't need to be a bank commercial. It yeah. needs to be a story that is somewhat, I don't know, palpable, receivable from poignant. the audience. Poignant. You know, it, it has a message to it, so it reaches. But partner reach. I think a lot of times banks fail to yeah. use partners, uh, and I'm not talking about marketing agencies, which are or no, I give, or, I, I, but I give a partners good. that are that can expand your brand reach and find the audience that maybe you can't get to without the partner. Well, not only that, but just um, partners with bigger audiences. So there was a a Renaissance example. We've talked about this before, where there was a local retailer um, in the Renaissance footprint that had at that point 80 or 100,000 followers on Instagram which was a big deal then still still is i wouldn't still just, is. i wouldn't sniff at 8,000 no. followers on Instagram i mean it's not like the kardashians or whatever but for a crazy for a for a local retailer when i say local i mean local brick and mortar in a small southern town they had pioneered selling online selling through Instagram they've pioneered it so much they've they've developed software now and they're they're you know um, a really great company but and I remember we were, and I still am sort of amazed that they did it because it, you, know, you would expect this from some, I don't know, well, other other place. Well, John and I went into the store, and very nice store, but small. Um, yeah, boutique, and, little and boutique. Just, and it was any, if you've been into a boutique, it's, it was that, right? Mm -hmm. And we're like, cool, we're going to film here, film you know there, and just didn't really think much about it. I mean, this is how we learned this lesson. It's not like we went. Oh, in. I was looking at like how do these people stay in business? Yeah, like there's, yeah, I mean, really twenty outfits in this little store in a in a in a tiny southern town. Well, what we didn't know is there's this big L shaped building, and one L was the one the, L was the real was the real. Yeah, and, and it the other was, was the and it was a photo booth, um, photography studio, warehouse, and they were churning through stuff with with very attractive people trying putting on clothes, being photographed, put it on Instagram, comment. And, and click here to purchase. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, and so that part of the business was not as photographable for the commercial. Like it was, we well, yeah, back I mean, office clothes in boxes, whatever wrapping up. Literally, people getting dressed and FedEx. undressed. Yeah, people not just, in front of us, but like yeah, like I'm gonna put on this shirt, take a quick picture, post on Instagram, and then box it up and yeah. send it out as soon as someone clicks on it. But what we learned from that is. The lift of putting this this company because of their followers, they shared. They'll share that video content. on Instagram with the same people that are doing that. So then we went, we picked up a bunch of follows. And from so it. if I if if we present this at the conference, you know what the next question would be from the audience? 
Can you give me an ROI on that? How many new accounts did you open in that audience? I don't know. And and this is the thing. And I might get. say this. I don't care. Yeah, because here's the deal. I'm doing market. My job is to do marketing effort every day. And obviously, there has to be a return on investment. Obviously. But I, w- I want to get back to it. It's not that I don't care about return on investment. John and I both look at this much more at the macros. Was this year through our efforts better than last year, this month, this quarter? Here's why it's kind of a fool's errand to track down the ROI on that. Because we can't recreate it and because the same effort went into that commercial as it was into somebody with 100 followers. So the lesson learned is go to the one with With more more followers. It's we get caught up into this introspection of, but was it, it looked good. It felt good, but was it good? Yes. Is the answer. Yes. Did it it create, I I don't know. Would you posit that if we ran a a tool and die company with a hundred followers, do you think that would do better? Absolutely not. Some questions are more cerebral than they are worth asking. Well, it's the interesting part too is, when we're looking to do client highlights, content, whatever you want to call it, we will survey our bankers and say, do you have 10 clients you want to suggest in certain markets that might be good? And we try to give them an outline, you know where I'm going here, of what would be good to be on camera. You know, location, like don't give me a food processing plant. Don't give me a funeral. They have. Don't give me a funeral home. I mean, I'm just saying things that are depressing, aren't going to look good on camera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no joke intended that, like literally, and then you're going through why, it. Why would you, but do you know the ROI? No, because no, I can use my expertise to but make after, the decision. But after, you know, is there some diversity that we'd like? Yes. Is Absolutely. there a location with something that's photogenic? Yes. The next question is, what is their social media presence? Mm-hmm. Well, they're a good client, but they don't really do social media. Well, this one over here may not have as many deposits, but they have a million followers on Instagram. Guess which one I'm going to? That one has value. And it another, has real marketing value. Yeah. So the question about all that stuff is, again, not that I blanket don't care about or I Obviously, I do if you've worked with us and we try to find success and all that. Attribution's tough. But if you're starting to ask those granular questions about something like that, you have to ask yourself, but would I would I not do this again if the ROI wasn't good? Yeah. Like, would I not go into a beautiful place to photograph full of beautiful people, full of great product, with a great client success story, with a million followers? The ROI just wasn't on it. We don't ever need to do that again. So I'm a John knows this, and you probably picked it up. I'm a what I what I call a terminalist. Maybe there's another word for this, and I just don't understand philosophy. That like, well, then would you never shoot commercial? Would you never shoot clients again? Well, would you never shoot commercials again? Would you never? It, you have to back up somewhere that not everything has an ROI that gives you lift. And I think that's one of the major issues with with smaller community banks and their marketing is they're expecting to do some type of campaign that's going to just automatically lift deposits or loans by 10 or 15%. And I hate to tell you, that just doesn't happen in the real world. Now, there could be a rate movement or there could be a person you hire Mm -hmm. that comes over that brings a portfolio. uh, Marketing does not do that one campaign at a time. So what I would say so to this, I think at the same time we did that, that campaign, we we were doing another at, at that same set of ads was the one we talked about where we went to with just buckets of screws being turned into smaller packages of screws that was terrible to photograph. It's that 
that, that was. I don't. We know. need to give a little color on that one because that was pretty funny. Yeah, and, we, and we, let, let me finish this statement. So I didn't. I'm not. I don't know if any of these had ROI. But I, I, we go to conferences and we tell these stories about what people should do, and people invariably raise their hands and say, "But what was the ROI?" And I get it because you're going to get asked that by an executive. What I want to say is the cumulative effect of all of it gives you a macro return on investment. And year over year, you should see the growth. But I've seen really good campaigns die or potentially die because the measurable performance wasn't there, yet everything about it was a good idea that went with the direct the response. Pre, the predetermined measurement wasn't there. Yeah. Like, like, I can't measure it, so I can't do it. Yeah. Is basically what yeah, that's, it what, that's it. it. If I can't, if, if I don't make every dollar spend like $10, I can't do it, is such well, a barrier. Well, you might as well just do direct mail. And just shut your. That, that's it. Just go do direct mail all One the time, percent, and maybe an email campaign to match it, and just do yeah. that and be yeah. happy with it. Things that statistically, I mean, but don't complain. E- if email if gets that's so, it. So direct mail gets a one and a half to two percent response rate. Um, th- those are nationwide, well vetted stats. And when you email along with direct mail, you get a ten percent bump in it. So you'll get a one point uh, six, six yeah, to, to, to a two point two. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to get it. Like you can, it can be, it can be the but list not, matters, but, but, but not on one mailing. That's the thing yeah. that everybody's got to understand. All of this stuff that we talk about is a cumulative effect. Not, I don't know why I just got so fired up about this. So welcome. Because welcome it, to it's, the, it's the reason people don't market. Well. Right. They don't. And so I can't justify that. I guess what I say is, Yes, do the email, do do mail, but so many banks look at it like, well, if this individual direct mail campaign doesn't get two point two, I can't do two and three. That's not the way it works. It's the 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 campaign every other month or once a quarter or you know the numbers that we're getting from this from the Capital Ones and the big guys, the the um, they're just churning Liberty mail. Mutual, they're they're sending millions of pieces of mail regularly. It's one. Video con- campaign will not show you an ROI no more than one direct mail campaign will. It is a cumulative effect of advertising and marketing over time. Well, and I could get into brand awareness at the same time when you're a first bank and there's a hundred of them. Let's tell them about the time we got screwed, though. So, well, a couple of things. One is to— That'd be a good clickbait headline. I'm going I'm to go to that that story in a second. But the, the three things I usually get when we're speaking at a conference or a classroom or something like that, and, and, and you show content— and you show these amazing videos, or maybe they're not amazing. That's obviously could be uh, a personal opinion. But you show these these great contents or something you did, a campaign. The three questions I get from people that I say are brain dead, and I know that's going to hurt some feelings, but that brain dead is, one is, what's the ROI? Two is, what was your budget? Because everyone's budget is not the same. Don't look at content for the budget when it's being given to you at a, at a conference or at a classroom. Look at it as what can you do that's spurred as an idea at scale for what's being presented. Like and when, guess what? It's hard. It's hard. But like when. But don't just say, when, I, I can't afford it. When dude it. in Baltimore was talking about Oreos and the campaigns they did. We don't have the money that Oreo has to go out and do these, you know, global-sized campaigns in, you know, 25 different countries, but some of the ideas can be scaled down and tweaked for bank marketing that we can use. My question when raise man say, "Hey Oreo, how you spent 500 million dollars on that campaign to dip 
Oreos and milk or something. I'm like, that, that's not How the right. That's not the right question. How many more packages of Oreos did you sell? It's did, never the right question. And and the big guys have figured it out a long time. They look. They blow quarter, right by those questions. It's quarterly earnings. And quarterly earnings don't happen in one day. No. In fact, they don't even happen in a quarter. They're reported in a quarter, yeah. but they're built over time. Yeah. And built over brand and impression, to top years. of mind, and compare. Yeah. And you're building on momentum that is also impacted by economics and things that are out of your control too. Yeah. So let's go there. But so. Three we'll th- end on the so, getting screwed. So don't ask this. When oh, you, you go to do a, the third when question. You go to a, I've, I have, we're still going. So you don't, I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. Number one, don't ask what the ROI is on when you hear a content. Now, if it's a automated marketing process of yada yada with services, of, yes, ask the ROI on and that. And that's what we do track it. Because we do. We've record, but when showed record deposit. presenting content and content ideas, don't ask ROI. Don't ask budget. And number three. Or only ask it in sense of like how could i scale that for me i need to know you got you did this for this i can do something smaller for a smaller amount and my third one is and i I, josh you'll know that there's a couple people that i've worked with in the past that always ask this because they they were i guess just low caliber and couldn't come up with but they'd always say no matter what we pitched or presented what's the strategy behind that What's the strategy behind that and i'm always like we just told it's it's what we just you watch the content the strategy was make the content. Make the content. The strategy was people will watch it. Connect to an audience, top of mind. Yeah. Product, whatever the product was you watched. Now you could come back and say, well, John, that's bad content. If they had to ask that, they weren't asking because it was bad content. They're asking because they wanted to look smart with that, a question. That, I call it thinkeration. I've I've said it for years. What was the strategy behind using customers in ads that had a lot of connection through social media? That. That's it. That's it. Uh, you got it. That's it. You nailed it. So, so it's, it's also like the other side of this where people really overcomplicate KPIs. It's almost to the point where I hate the term that really has no reason to hate it. Like, I want to say KPI. Like, but key performance indicators are sales, engagement. Like, it's they're not hard to arrive at. Like, there are people out there that act like you have to have a PhD to create a key performance indicator. So in content, the key performance indicator was likes and shares and things like that. Well, top but, of mind awareness. I mean, there's the key performance you can indicator is the quality and like performance indicator. How's it going to perform? Well, some of it's how does it psychologically perform? Like if you shoot it on a potato that looks like a screen cap of a screen cap of a fax of a copy, it's not going to perform well mentally. So production value matters. Well, it may damage your brand. Yeah, the photography, the the words, all of it. It, it's just we're so caught up in our industry of measurability that we just don't do anything. Or you do the wrong thing. Yeah, and we don't measure it after the – like all of this stuff gets measured after the fact. Anyway. But so to that um, – You still have to tell the, the story. Well, the script story was we um, we were looking for clients – Tune sh- in next time. <laughs> we were looking for clients to shoot for – uh, these kind of, they weren't testimonials. They were more like business feature vignettes. Yeah. They're like trailers about a company. Basically it's what yeah. it would be. We didn't tell a two hour story, but it was a five, you know, short run of a story and we just sponsored it. And then they might mention Renaissance, but it was very light on us. It was, they more, didn't talk. It was yeah. all a voiceover. It was early mornings, late nights. Yeah. So right anyway, so anyway, one of the, uh, when we asked for customers, somebody said, Oh, I've got this helicopter. Um, repair repair company. Oh, I think and it's going to be amazing. And we're like, 
You mean helicopters like being fixed? We were and literally oh, high five. Like, oh, there's like, a Sikorsky in a in a hangar. Oh, this is gonna be amazing! Like some Black Hawk over there getting worked on. Like what is we this gonna be amazing? We were driving there, and we kept thinking we were going to an airport. And we looked at like Google Maps or whatever it was a maybe Garmin back then. Uh, Tom Tom MapQuest. Yeah, and we were like. This isn't near an airport. It must be, like, super awesome. It's, we were so pumped. Oh, we thought it was going to, like, no one will have this in a bank video of a helicopter, like, getting fixed and going up and the whatever. So we get there, and we go in, and it's a little rented-style cubicle-ish, because it had an open bullpen in the middle, office space. Yeah. Looked like it could be anywhere, anywhere Tan in the Beijing world. Gray. I mean— Pick the most boring WeWork spot or whatever it is. No, WeWork looks awesome. Yeah, this, was, this was, I said the most boring. We dork. This was terrible. Terrible. It was just khaki pants everywhere. It was awful. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, <laughs> there's like six people that kind of trudge out, almost like they trudged out right when we got there. Like it was like, wait till they get here. And they trudge out and they have a box uh, about, I don't know, about the size of a, Big FedEx box, like you'd get, a, I don't know, a cool, that size of a cooler just yeah. for something. And it has screws in it. And, and no packaging. And no packaging. And they're counting out like 12 to 15 screws each by hand and putting them in a Ziploc bag and then putting the Ziploc bags in another box and shipping it off to some other. Um, it, was a, it was a military thing. So what it was is it was kitting parts for military mechanics. So like, the, and it was the screws that attach the. They're just weird businesses out there, right? But it was nothing like what we were sold. No, it was they attached the dashboard, a part of a dashboard instrument panel in a helicopter. In a helicopter, yeah. They, it's necessary. It's got to happen. It keeps our military moving. Somebody's got to do it. But these screws weren't putting the dashboard in the helicopter at the location. They were being put in a box to be shipped to San Diego or shipped to whatever Pensacola base, what Columbus. It was it was folding tables and a. And, and a box. They might as well have been doing, like, direct mail. I mean, like, putting the mail licking stuff. Licking stamps. Lick, licking stamps and stuffing envelopes. Yeah. That's what it was. And it was, it was we went from, like, this is going to be awesome to how do we get out of here without using this and not hurt their feelings? And that's what it came down to. Because, you know, we've planned it. They're a customer. I think they made pretty good money off the contracts. Oh, it was amazing. And some of the I stuff think. we couldn't show because they were like, we can't show this because of military. I was like, what is there to, like... It was so vanilla. The 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 enemy are going to know that we use a, a three thread count per inch screw. and a quarter size yeah. Ziploc bag to mail screws to some other part of the country. Like and so, point. It looked like an eBay factory almost. Like they're just oh like, yeah, like those you go into. Yeah, it yeah. Was, they're it just was, they're just stacking things together in boxes. But anyway, so the the hype of what we thought we were getting immediately was how do we get out of here to get some more time in our day to shoot something better not hurt their feelings and yet try to include them some way to where they felt like the bank didn't screw them the way that we were screwed over about it the funniest part of this story and i think we've told this ad nauseum but we have a new audience you need to hear it but anyway is that we left that location and we were driving to get lunch and we passed we were kind of griping about it i guess you know as we do commiserating us being negative and yeah. pessimistic? Never. And the kind of the on-the-ground banker for the region was in the car with us. We were trying to find a lunch spot. And we passed us like, why Why couldn't we use this? And we passed this beautiful, like, awesome mid-century modern furniture <laughs> I remember this. place. Yeah. Like, interior design. It had 
It was on this like beautiful, quaint downtown, bright g- garage doors, yeah. all open. It was a beautiful day, and and the banker in the car from the region was like, "Oh, they're a client," and we we're just like everybody did the slow head turn, like, and you didn't offer them up, <laughs> like. Well, they just have like a small deposit account. Like we do their like transactional POS type stuff, and we're like still a client. Yeah, and looks. It's way more relatable to the customer we're trying to get than the super, super unique. And I know there's no such thing as very unique, but like this, like very niche thing that no one else does. There was no context. Like we couldn't even, I don't don't know that it ever saw the light of day, but like we could not figure out how to give like literal context to what was happening. I don't think we used it. I think we just, we we shot some stuff to say, hey, we were here and then left and like, I really didn't. But, um, (laughs) The insult to injury, though, is that, so this is a three level. Like, we got, you know, got the screw footage, found out, saw this beautiful place, found out there were a client. And they're like, this is a quite famous place. The The furniture company is well known for if you have this mid century style to go there for restoration. And oh, like, yeah. Yeah. it is famous, big followers. Like, that, that was what we were looking for was that key audience that they had. Of people that were probably, and look, we bank everyone that's in probably a more wealthy clientele that most banks would salivate at the opportunity to get marketing in front of. Right. So, and, and and so we went up. We actually asked, if you remember, like, we remember sitting in, like, the sofas and all that, and, like, we're had our shoot gear on, and, like, we're waiting on, like, well, the boss isn't here. They like Yeah, because we did, it wasn't planned. Yeah, Because yeah. we did. We stopped in, like, can we just ask? Because yeah. we had extra time because we, we, we fired have, ourselves from the other one. Yeah. And they were like, he's not here, or she's not here, they're out. You know, and so Like, they, I think called him in, like, Aruba or something. It was and crazy. And it became one of those, like, super headaches of, like, we just We sat there for, cameras. like, 30 minutes waiting for them to call back, and we were waiting on lunch. And, yeah, but anyway, people are tired of the story now. So we'll move on to the next one, which is number five, market the marketing. So market the marketing. I've always talked about oh, yeah. when you do an ad campaign, have someone blog about the campaign or do the background shooting. A lot of times y'all have done something for us, like when we did Rise with Renaissance, and then you did the story of Rise with Renaissance behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So don't sell short the fact that some that marketing your marketing might actually catch an audience that's more interested in the actual marketing, mm-hmm. as weird as that sounds. Oh, yeah. Um, six, and this is a big one with bankers, and, and it's true, uh, engage your internal audience. Yeah. John and I figured this out the hard way. Yeah, I don't. I, maybe you'd mind saying this. I'm going to tell the story anyway, because <laughs> I can. Um, is there was a point in time where there was a lot of negativity with stakeholders of like because they didn't know what we did. And John and I went on this like because it was a staff of one, John, and that was kind of just. W- this is probably like oh eight to ten yeah. around there. And 2010, if people were describing that Renaissance did no marketing was basically it. We're like, how can they say this? Well, we actively block people. Like, we don't want Renaissance to see the marketing. We were doing, like, really smart stuff that was kind of dumb in retrospect. So we did this kind of like— Well, like doing geo-targeting and then saying, but don't put to these addresses. Yeah. We're doing email campaigns, but don't do these because it's a waste of clicks. Yeah. It's a waste of this. So they're not seeing it. Yeah, so, so clients were seeing it, but bankers weren't, and their sentiment was down. And so we went on this little love tour of PowerPoints and videos and all that, and— since then, and look, it's just ignorance. It's like it's it on was our part, our, too. Fault, yeah. our fault. And um, since then, I mean, the sentiment has totally changed. Oh, you have they'll, to, they'll be like, we love what that like. It's awesome. Like, yeah. we don't, but yeah, they didn't know what was going on. And unless they caught the ad on television that we were doing or they caught 
a random, I don't know, whatever content piece on social media, we were like, well, it's a waste of time to include them, not for their opinion, but include them because the cost of the click or the yeah. cost of the impression. Let's cut this demo out because we were highly targeted on that campaign. And budget. And budget. Is always, you know. And, but then we realized half the battle is just getting them to buy into what you're doing so you can do the cool content and do the cool yeah. marketing. Uh, so there's that. And then second part of engaging your internal audience is a lot of banks have – Say you have 2,000 employees, 1,200 of them are probably by default on Facebook. You could almost, and I'm stretching here, make something viral if just your own company would repost the same piece of content at the same time. So if it's like Tuesday, we're doing our focus on a uh, minority business for Black History Month, a customer, what if everyone in the company at the same time or within the same two hours would like, promote, share that and so your internal audience could actually create some momentum for an external audience. And then when you put it, their families follow it, the businesses that they bank follow it. All of a sudden, without paying for any boosting or promotion or whatever, you could actually get more eyes than buying a TV ad. Yeah. Except for banks block Facebook. Some do. Some I know, do. but it's just sort of silly. Some do. So don't but, do that. But my point is, engage your internal audience on two levels. One is get buy-in. Make sure you're telling everyone what you're doing in marketing. And secondly, engage that audience. Is how can they increase your reach? Seven. We're getting there. Seven. Mm, so hungry. Pick channels and topics with a big following. This is in connection. Mm. So I think a lot of that has to do with hashtagging. Look for what out there is trending. Now, be careful. Don't do the Pepsi thing with what was going on, well, yeah, that, uh, and, you know, stuff like that. Well, I mean, it's like you and you got to be sensitive. Like there's a, there's a war in Ukraine right now with Russia. Like be sensitive yeah, to what you're Applebee's. following. Yeah. Well, Applebee's wasn't their fault. I know, but I'm just saying, don't be like, but, uh, but point being is look for trends, look for areas where you can attach to pop culture, look for areas where you can attach to attention grabbing sports. Well, I mean the backdrop at Alabama behind Nick Saban. So, it, yeah, it's got a huge following. And yeah. so eyeballs are going to go that, which goes to go to the eyeballs, but also go to following. Part That's why I like affinity marketing when you partner with others, because there's an audience that gets turned off by bank marketing them, but not necessarily turned off to something they really like. Yeah, SEC shorts. Yeah. So And then uh, number eight, which is one of my favorite ones uh, to close with, is don't be boring. Mm. Um, I just received— You may not like our banner, but we're not boring. <laughs> Hey, that actually might be a good campaign. Uh, I think we are too boring and too... Banks are, not we. Banks are. The, it's, everything's just, again, drone shots, good-looking Taylor row, clean bank, people waving at the camera, handshake, open for business, sign, turn around a florist. That's boring. Now, the production might be gorgeous, but it's boring. Mm -hmm. uh, so how can you bring energy, excitement, humor, heartfelt, you know, warm touch... Marketing is Being in, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, well, that's the opposite. Yeah, be interesting. Don't be boring. Uh, and so I think that's a challenge, but I bring that up as one of the— and we are a parody industry, so it is— a, Real easy to be boring. It's funny that parody, P-A-R-O-D-Y, sounds like P-A-R-T. R-R-O, why have you spelled yeah. Parrotish. Yeah. Yes. Parity. You're just parrot—whatever. Par Parating. This is falling apart. No, I know what you're saying. It matches. If it. I could hold up a picture of the bird, I yeah. don't have to spell. How do you spell parrot? One R, two T's, two R's. Two R's. Which parody? Parrot, like the bird. Yeah. One T. So if you did parity, it would be P A R R O T T Y. 
I don't know. Yeah. It's Let a, us know in the comments. But point is, hit smash that like and you can be like you can be funny, emotionally grabbing, empathetic, whatever it is. But boring doesn't get you anywhere. It is not memorable, and it means you have wasted your marketing. There's a local bank that I'm sure listens to this. It's, they do a lot of YouTube advertising, and I just want to tell my friends there. No, don't, don't tell them keep, to keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep Never doing mind. it. That's what I always say. Well, I laugh. Look, it's to me as a bank marketer, it is the reverse of how boring it is because it's so boring. It's like it's good. It's, it's like turned, so boring. It's, it's like, turned oh. around, and I laugh at it. It's. Um, I'm sorry to tell you that if you know who you're talking, I'm sure know. you do. They don't know. You, you were, probably already don't like me you anyway. Were, so you were you were sneaky <laughs> enough. So it's not a big deal. I think you were sneaky enough. So anyway, there there's like six banks right now going. Is he talking about me? Uh, yes, probably. <laughs> so anyway, uh, review real quick. The great aid of connection. One, find your audience. Two, buy and sell on emotion and backfill with logic. Three, go to the eyeballs. Four. Use partner reach. Five, market the marketing. Six, engage your internal audience. Seven, pick channels with topics with a big following. And eight, don't be boring. If you can use those great eight things when you are working on how you connect to your audience with your content, so wait, you will be successful. Are there 128 things we're going to go up over? Eight things, good and bad, for all four things? Yeah. Hang on. We needed we needed content, Josh. Hang on. So I just yeah, this might as well be audible of the book. I like it. But I, anyway. So tune in next time for the hateful eight of connection. As Josh says. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see you later. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.